Hello. Hi. <laughs> I was like, what you now? Is it now? Right, exactly. Me too. Hi, Destiny. Hello, Vada. I'm so excited. I'm so excited because I love this movie. I love it. It came right on time. Um, and I'm, you know, I will gush for like half an hour. I've got some no. questions. Um, but I also want to say while we're here and in front of everybody, how much I love your work and Gone Too Far had me, I wish I had a diaper on. I was laughing so hard. At oh, that nice. So, Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> I was just gushing. Um, Vada, I'm excited to be talking to you right now. Same um, here. I love, love, love your, your, your movie. Um, I think everybody knows like it was a winner of the directing prize at, at 2020 Sundance, a ray of sunshine in this wretched year. Um, exactly. Um, I want to jump right in if that's, if that's all right. Yeah, please. Um, I, I guess I'll, I'll start with a, not the boring question, but a question that you've probably been asked loads of times. What inspired you to um, make this story? Because this, this is your first feature, isn't it? My first, yeah. Right. So, so what was it to, that made you think, okay, I've got a story to tell. I want to make my first feature. I've got a story to tell. This is the story that I want to tell. Yeah. You know, I find like with, I guess, a lot of art, it comes out of adversity and frustration. Um, I had gotten hired to write my first um, uh, screenplay, like, you know, and I got into the union as a result. It is, it was an adaptation of a book I had loved. And this was, I was, it was excitement for me. It was like, oh my God, like I finally can call myself a professional screenwriter. They loved the first draft. They loved the second, third draft, not so much. And I got fired from that movie. And, um, I think what a lot of filmmakers who are new to the business, um, or just any screenwriter, anybody working in the field don't don't know is that like getting fired from a job is kind of like a rites of passage. Like, mm. and I, I do feel like it's a great opportunity for someone to kind of um, check their temperature on how badly they want to pursue filmmaking. Like, if you get fired from something, and then you come back and say, "Okay, I want to still do this," <laughs> and you're not personally devastated by that kind of rejection. But it was that. And I, I think I was like really frustrated because I put so much time in helping to craft this world. And then in one phone call, I was no longer the person, you know. And so I decided I wanted to create something I couldn't get fired from. And in order to do that, I would make it for um, online. You know, I would make a web series. I would write, direct, produce and star in it. And so I created the 40 version as a web series initially. And then over time and with other little things, it trans I transformed it into a feature, but that's where it really started was from adversity, you know? Like most great things. <laughs> um, <laughs> it comes from struggle. Oh, um, child. It, I mean, so I think what I, these might be nerdy questions or something, but I really wanted to know I saw that the movie is shot on 35 mil. What made you go, you know, because obviously, you know, film is expensive. Um, you know, we've got all these digital cameras now that are, are, are off the chain. They're not film, you know, film no. looks a different way. They're not film. Um, 
and there's beauty in both and there are drawbacks in both. But I really wanted to know, like, what made you go, you know what, first feature, as hard as yeah. first feature, oh, I'm going to do 35 mil. Like, yeah, oh. well, probably some kind of mental imbalance. That would be number <laughs> one. To think I should make my first film, not just on 35, but black and white 35 millimeter film. You know, I was, I was raised by, um, God um, bless my mom's spirit. I was raised by a cinephile. And so black and white film is not foreign to me. I love, you know, everything from, um, you know, uh, the apartment to some like it hot to repulsion to, you know, night of the hunter, like black and white film was always kind of in the background of my coming up. And so I just knew that, especially making a film about New York, like what could I do to make it feel like classic? You know, to feel like it's kind of sealed in a time capsule. And to me, the answer was black and white. You know, I feel like I'm, I'm kind of obsessed with what our skin tones look like in black and white. And so I look to, work, look to photographers like Jamel Shabazz, Roy DeCarava, um, Karime Weems, you know, um, artisans who are always looking at black life, but through the lens of black and white. The, our skin tone just looks so juicy and yummy in black and white. It does. And, you know, it, it just really looks does. amazing. It looks I amazing. Ask, I was, my next question was like, why, why black and white, right? But everybody's skin tone, everyone, and it was an array of skin tones, which I, which I really appreciated. And everybody was lit well, and they looked yeah. beautiful. Because it's really, that's, I don't need to tell you, but like, it's really important for us. Like, well, sometimes I come across DPs, but it's just like, it's, it's like secondary. And it's like, no, fam, it's not, I can't see them. Like, like, right. like what's going on? Like, it's just a real, it's a- it's, it's a, and, it, and it became very scientific for me and my DP, Eric Bronco, who is also uh, um, black and from the Bronx. And so he had this investment as a New Yorker, like, you know, it's not just that we're making a film in black and white, we're doing our version of a classic New York film. And so mm. that we, we did three camera tests and trust me, everyone was like, why shoot in black and white? Just shoot in color and then make it black and white in post. And, you know, when I think about my forefathers and foremothers who made film, Sidney Lumet, John Cassavetes, you know, they didn't have this other format to fall back on. That's right. Even filmmakers before them, they didn't have another film. You know, what I love about working in black and white film is it does make things more urgent. You know, we don't, we have this Meg that this, this, um, we have four minutes of time. Yes. <laughs> so, yes that's so what I'm like, like. All of the actors were like on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like digital, I don't know. We might, we might've gotten a little too comfortable with, you know, what we can do and how many takes. And because it was on film, there was this urgency, but there was this, I found across the board, this deep investment in making something special, you know, from, you know, wardrobe, which, you know, because we're in black and white, it's about playing in shades of gray and doing things. Uh, I work with Sarah Williams, who's my wardrobe person, around texture and patterns, you know? Mm. Um, but yeah, Eric and I, we were kind of obsessed with how, the reason I think I bring up Bray de Carava is because as a black photographer, you know, I think he was obsessed with um, putting a lens on black people in a time, and this is like 50 something, 50, 60 years ago, in a time when, you know, our humanity was being questioned. I mean, it's still being questioned. I mean, yeah, but, it, yeah. But, 
you know what I mean? Like his camera then became like um, part of this arsenal, like this, this, this uh, attempt to humanize us and to show us, show a certain beauty about us. And so there were just these beautiful shades of gray that he's captured, the silver tones that come out in black and white, according to how you treat it, whatever. But yeah, I knew if you looked at my script, it says the 40 year old version, a New York tale in black and white. And it said that since it was, gosh, for years. So I just had to find people who were just as excited about the format as I was and mm -hmm. just as fearless about my ability to pull it off you know mm -hmm. um that wasn't easy to find but you know we made it happen and here we are I'm talking with you you know Do you know what though like it's so funny because you, you you've mentioned all of these um wonderful classic movies and um these phenomenal photographers um but the word classic I what I found with 40 year old version and this mm -hmm. might seem a bit odd but the first film that I thought of when the film ended, because you do something at the end that I absolutely love. It's what, what that's when I truly fell in love, is when it starts to go into color. I the film to me reminds me of The Wizard of Oz. Oh so wow. I was like, yeah, so I wasn't that's a high compliment, the, actually. That's I that means a lot to me because that is a you know, that is like one of those films that will is timeless and it's will be timeless. with us forever. Can I tell you about that last shot though? The funny yes, thing please. about that was, you know, um, I'm sure you've ex encountered this, like you've got a plan, but the film and the experience of the film has other plans. plans. And Absolutely. so in shooting that scene, it was supposed to take place in another whole other place. We didn't have the right license or permit or what have you. And so we had to make do with this street in Brooklyn. And because we were almost at the end of our day, we were about to go over, we just had to get, we had to do it. And so he used the telephoto lens and I don't know if you can see this, but when we're walking away, I'm pointing to Oswin, telling him action. You see me go like this. No. <laughs> yeah, because we, I mean, you know, whatever, um, but, the reason, the reason the film turns to color, I am, Destiny, I'm the least sentimental person you ever meet in your life. Oh, really? So it's like I planned that. I didn't plan that. Rob Wilson and I were in the editing bay. We had just gotten the transfer from, uh, I think it was Metro who had transferred the film um, from color to black and white. And he was toggling between the black and white and the color. And I was looking at the black and white and I was like, you know, we had Nat Jenks who did our color, uh, who colored the, the um, uh, you know, did, did DI on the film, mm -hmm. but I just wasn't in the black and white. Things were kind of foggy. I couldn't see texture. I couldn't see shades of gray. When he toggled like that, I said, wait, what is that? And he's like, that's, that's your original scene because 20% of the film, especially at nighttime and, and that big cavernous space for the battle, we had to shoot in color because it was yeah. virtually impossible to light that in black and white film. So when he toggled to the color, I said, oh shit, I wanted to turn to color at the end. And he's like, what? And I was like, yeah, I said, because it's the best way to get the best picture. Once it goes to color, you do see a gradient, you see an ombre, you see shapes 
and things yeah. that are not in the black and white version. And he said to me, he said, Rod, are you sure you want to do this? He was like, you know, you're showing your hand, you know, like I'm leaving people open to believe that maybe we didn't shoot the most of it in black and white. And I said, at this point, I don't care. It doesn't I just matter. Want, yeah. I want to get the best version of the scene. And so it turns out people find it romantic. They find it sentimental. It really is. It's so, but it really, it's so typical though. Like it feels like, no, that scene we love is by accident, it's by stress. It's complete accident. I mean, even the Mama May I scene where he and I were freestyling. I love um, it. That whole was, that was a beautiful, I wouldn't say mistake, but initially, um, the song we were singing was Mom Supreme. It's a, it's when I do the live show, I end the show with a song, a dedication to my mother called Mom Supreme, where I'm kind of rap singing in the tune of John Coltrane's Love Supreme. Ah. We were going to go shoot. My producer Anuka was like, listen, we still haven't heard back from the estate. You might want to come up with another version of this theme. <laughs> so Austin and I took a walk around the block and I said, I think the scene I said, you know the game Mama, Mother May I? And he's a little bit younger than me. So he was like, I yeah. think that's your game. I said, well, let's sing a song where we say Mama May I. And we kind of just, that whole scene is freestyle. Like that's just us off the top of our head having this little outline. But we shot the Mama, the, um, the Mom Supreme version. And then somewhere in there that we learned that the state didn't, you know, and so we have this Mama May I, which Eric and I swore we shot it in a particular way. It ended up being a little um, underexposed, but the beauty is we have these shapes and these shadows. But so it looks so beautiful. It looks romantic. It looks dreamy. And so, so it's like, they say like happy accidents, right? There are these happy That's accidents. the word. That's the term I meant. That's, That's the term, yeah. Like, both in, in, in terms of the content and in terms mm. of the aesthetic, you know? Because and so, I loved that it felt like, it, it felt like you really were just making it up together. And it, for me, the two characters were bonded at that point, like for real, because they're playing. And that's, that's something you don't get to see. You don't get to see, ad, black, particularly black adults um, playing. No, you don't see us playing. You don't see us contemplating. You don't see us silent. I saw Nothing. a film two years ago that starred Rooney Mara and Casey Affleck called Ghost Story. I don't know if you remember this film. I never saw but, that one, you know. Okay, you should check it out. But it's these, I'm not, I don't think I'm spoiling anything for you because it's called okay. Ghost Story. So he pretty much plays a ghost for most of the film. Sure. They're in love. She, she loses her lover who she has no idea is kind of present, you know, after his death. And there's a scene where she is mourning him and she eats an entire pie on camera from crust to dust in real time. They don't cut away. There's no coverage. There's no speeding up. In real time, Rooney Mara eats an entire pie while sitting down in front of her stove in her kitchen. And I was just like, can we get some of that? Can we can get black storytelling? That level of, it seems mundane and it seems meaningless because there's not there's not much action happening there and yet it gives that character so much space to show mm. her humanity, her pain this is the character's way of grieving her her mm. lover 
And so I tried as best as I could to create some deliberate moments like that. But a film like that gave me permission. I was like, no, if she gets to sit down <laughs> in an entire pile of cameras, then we should be able to, because, you know, I mean, I'm sure you encountered this destiny, you know, this idea of like black storytelling, we have two hours. I think the assumption is like, especially when we're working in the space of comedy is that we're always on, we're always laughing, we're always colorful, but there's the space in between. You know, I'm thinking about in your film when the two brothers are having their final confrontation and how heartbreaking it is to hear, you know, this older brother just, you know, you think I'm a disappointment, you're a disappointment to me, to me too, the way you're treating me. Like that space, um, that space allows for the next jokes to land because we've had this breath in between where it's not always about humor. And some, to me, some of the best comedy is rooted in, you know, something a little bit more serious, you know, yeah. but, but just wanting us to have more of that contemplative, mundane, silent, experience in a film where black black characters are concerned you know that's what that's what i want to see more of that and that sort of storytelling of of black people just being three-dimensional human beings yes. and that do you know what i mean and so, not it's not every day that our pain comes from true trauma like a lot of the time but like i during this pandemic right mm. at the beginning we couldn't get you you know at the beginning where everyone was panicking you couldn't get food right Right. I sat right where I'm sitting here and I hadn't cried or anything, but mm. tears, tears came to my eyes when I started thinking about a snicker bar. Cause I was just like, oh, I ain't got Snickers. I was like, and I can't just go to the shop. Like you laugh, yeah? The when the tears came to my eyes, I was right. like, dude, you're really crying over Snickers. But I said, right. you know what? Let yourself have this pain. Because what am I gonna do about those stickers? Like, what's But we all have our loves. We all have our loves. We and for you in that loves. moment, the exactly. thing that you needed. But but this is the thing I'm saying to you, Destiny. It's like we don't wake up rhyming. You know, we don't wake up like, hey, what am I gonna do today? We sometimes we sit in bed for another 30 minutes, just like, what am I going to sometimes? And, and, <laughs> I mean. That's that's exactly. my mornings now. Exactly. And like, you know, um, I don't know. I don't I, I feel like that that is going to be, you know, I come from theater where mm -hmm. it is generally a box like the ones that we're sitting in a Zoom and the characters talk and that's where you get plot and that's where you get mm -hmm. everything out of their mouths. I find as a filmmaker, I'm hoping to get less and less loquacious and more and more silent because well, one. I'm not completely dependent on the actor and the text. I'm now leaning on the, an aesthetic, right? Mm -hmm, a look mm -hmm. is a good challenge for me, but it also to me, again, speaks to more that storytelling of like, just the realization that the thing that you want is not available to you and you as a black woman having to sit and think about that and, mm. and pain by that. And then the thing around pain too, like, you know, the, the, the song poverty porn is kind of satirical, but I really do feel that when it comes to, and it's why I love your film so much, when it comes to black life on screen, you know, our conflict is always related to pain. You know, yeah. like you, you get a phone call and you find out you have AIDS on mm -hmm. top of the cancer that you already have and you just got fired from your factory job where your wife is about to have triplets and you know, the check didn't come and she died in a car crash. 
sometimes our conflict is just where am I going to get my Snickers bar from? Simply, you know, can I? What does it mean to start a career Mm. in film in your forties? It's not Mm. always rooted in pain, you know. But I feel like when it comes to black stories and it and which black stories get greenlit by the powers that be, it's usually their version of black life and they associate black life with struggle like struggle is so sexy on us you know because but it's a bit it's weighing it's weighing a bit man like sometimes i literally like i'm looking at the trigger warnings on everything like and any time i see a black like literally like i'm literally if i see black like a black novel a black film a black play like what are the trigger warnings because if this is that then listen to me man like it's not every day like it's not no. that I won't watch certain things, but it's I just feel like I, I I'm not saying that you know because what I I loved poverty porn I loved that tune I was like finally someone's actually mm-hmm. saying it saying it on screen because that that's another question I wanted to ask you is just like do you find and this is maybe an industry well it's definitely a work question in that mm-hmm. like even after forty year old version even though people sort of know what you're about. Did you find that a lot of the scripts coming to you were that still? Like the sort of put, I see you smiling because I know what my experience is, but I wanted to see if you were guys. The thing that I can't believe, the thing that I cannot believe, I'm not lying to you. Two things happened to me. One is the historic, even though I say in I'm making a joke about historical dramas. And this musical that he's working on, you know, it's like insert historical black figure here. It's Shirley Chisholm, it's Ida B. Wells, Fannie Lou Hamer, it's Rosa Parks, it's Harriet Tubman. Because when it comes to historical dramas, I guess um, gatekeepers feel like we can't challenge that. It's black history, it happened. And Mm -hmm. by doing a play or a movie about a black historical figure, you see I'm not a racist, you know what I mean? <laughs> so the amount of historical, black historical dramas that come my way when I'm like, can't y'all just go to Wikipedia? Can't you just read the bio- biography? <laughs> like, so there's that. And then I was, um, my film had not come out yet, but I was on the list of Variety's 10 directors to watch, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm at this ceremony. I just received my award and I come off the stage and this older white male producer was like, congratulations. This is amazing that you're here as a director of your own film. He says, I have this project about a runaway slave. And (laughs) at that point, everything just like day turned to night. He became this floating figure. I was like holding the award, looking down at it. Like maybe he doesn't see that I, in my own direct, I'm telling my own story. I couldn't believe it. I was like, I was in my movie all over again. It was like a sequel, you know, like, yeah, okay, Rod of the four-year version. She made it. And yet she still is being offered runaway slave films. So what I'm finding, and I want to hear your version of this, is that even though I'm playing myself and my character is challenging the white gatekeepers, I am still being engaged by those white gatekeepers on those very stories that I am I'm poking fun at in the film. Absolutely. So, so you make your first film, right. and what kind of offers then come after Gone Too Far? I think what, I, I think a lot of the thing, at first it wasn't, cause slavery wasn't sexy when I did Gone Too Far, right? So it wasn't like, so it was like, what I like to call like mandem movies, you know, like, um, uh-huh. 
you know, in the vein of like Top Boy. Yes, like urban, gritty. Yeah, yeah. And I think because I'm from Southeast London, there's that kind of connection there that I don't know that I don't I don't actually know because even when I was making Gone Too Gone Too Far as as you as you saw is a comedy like it was yes straight up that's what the script that when we were trying to get it made um because it was written by Bolad Baje who you would Mm -hmm. love incredible woman um we and we were like a team do you know what I mean and so we were like it shows it feels like one voice yeah oh bless um so that means a lot but I'm gonna stop um but (laughs) we we knew what the film was like me and Bola didn't grow up together, but we grew up 10 minutes away from each other. So Bola wow. was from Peckham. I grew up in New Cross um, and that was in like the eighties and nineties. So it was a bit, you know, but a lot of us were just playing out. Like if, if, if life was like how a lot of white people, the white gays thinks it was, like we we're all stabbing each other, then none of us would be here. So <laughs> clearly, do you know what I mean? Like clearly someone else, there right, we would, there would be a die off, a kill off, right? Exactly. Most of us would have died by gunshots or stabbing. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying I didn't see certain things or- Yeah, same you know, here, same yeah, we, here. we did, like we've all got, you know, if you ain't got a family member that weren't in jail for a minute, then you probably weren't there, but- Right. It's still got, like, it's still but it's still one like, family member. It's one, is one at maybe least one. two. Right. But not the entire family not is the doing a bit. Thing. And also, people don't like, I just felt like some of us just went to school, cracked joke, and went home. Like, just, that's what most of us did. And right. so I felt like, what are, what are those stories? But to try to get that movie made, like some of the stuff we heard back, like mm. my favorite one was like, I don't understand why the brothers are not trying to kill each other. Like, wouldn't you want to stab him or something? Because he should be angry because growing up in Nigeria is so dreadful that he must hate his brother because he's the one, I just, I was like- And the first thing he does when he comes to this new place is stab him. So I was like, why was, are you trying to shake your siblings? Like, what's going on? Right? <laughs> it was weird. I just felt, it was so strange. And and I think after a while it started to hurt, right? I'm going to go back to 40-year-old version because I, yeah, I, yeah, no. I don't want to, but like, it started to hurt me and Bola because after the kind of, what, these people are crazy. It, it was like, wow, these people really think. And we just started to feel like aliens, like we were very othered because mm-hmm. our experiences was either what they thought it was or it didn't exist. And mm. so it was like, what does this mean? And and we were kind of young, youngish when we were making our first feature. So it was like, what? Because when I was making making my short films was significantly easier. Like nobody was mm-hmm. questioning anything. There's no money. But when it's a feature, now everything is serious. It's like, oh, right. really? it's now, now it's like, right. It's like, what does that mean? Because the cast was predominantly black, people saying they couldn't sell it, all of that bullshit. But mm. I think after that, like, luckily I had Bola to, you know, lean on and sometimes cry with, because yeah. it was like, what? This is the profession that I've chosen. And we are actively being stopped because it, it, even if it's not because we're black, it's because our characters are black. Right. And so it was just really difficult trying to make that film a good three years for me a good five years for Bola and it was like fuck man like I just felt this is a lot but when I saw people see the film I was like okay cool 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 it was right it was fine it was worth it it. but then afterwards everyone was just like oh it was more like 
like mandem movies and I was just like what what is it about my film that said I'm even into that and and now it's a lot of the this I, I do get sent kind of slave stuff and all of those kind of things and I think those stories do need to be told I don't want to be like on a soapbox saying no more slave movies I think there are a lot of really interesting stories that can be told um and told beautifully if in the yeah. right hands you know like 12 years and all that kind of stuff but 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 people need to know that as black people we're not a monolith and we right. all have these different stories to tell and if our work speaks to not that way, you know, because, you know, I want to make all different kinds of things, but if I work, mm-hmm. is speaking to, like, your film literally has a song called Poverty Porn. Like, if there's there's no bigger sign than that, uh, I, I would just be like, that. but that means people are not watching. They're just assuming. They're not really watching, and they're also not, they don't have a certain level of self-awareness. I mean, yes. I thought that, like, um, you know, in the wake of George Floyd being killed and Breonna Taylor, there's this weird cocktail of these killings. We've had black people die at the hands of cops for decades now. Yes. But I think the difference between those killings and the ones that came before it is, you know, in the time of the Sean Bells and the Eleanor Bumpers, and these are just some American black figures who got killed by cops. We, we, um, we're enraged and we're angry, but we can only do that for a weekend because we got to go back to work the yeah. next day. We have yeah. to suppress our anger, which is what we've been doing for years is suppress, suppress. What happened different in this time is you have this pandemic that's forced mm-hmm. everyone to be at home. Mm-hmm. And so it is hitting us, even black people hitting us in a way that we had been suppressing and not addressing, mm-hmm. hitting white people and people who you know, other people of color who haven't had a, a, a experience um, aligned with that of blackness in this country mm-hmm. or in the world. Um, and there is this so-called reckoning that's happening now, a racial reckoning, because what happened is, you know, all these different parts of the industry are, they put up their black square and they donated to Black Lives Matter. But then what would happen is somebody black within the organization would be like, you full of shit because you over, you passed over me for that uh, um, promotion and gave it to a younger white person who's less qualified and you are actually a racist, you know? And so there's this moment where I feel like we can talk honestly. I don't know how long it's gonna last. We can mm-hmm. talk honestly about the racism that we've experienced without the typical repercussions of getting fired, isolated, ostracized, demonized. You know, it feels like the world is listening, uh, you know, and then our election, you know, speaks to all of the <laughs> disparity around racism and stuff. But I feel like the, the, the black content creator, we're in a place where you and I can have this exchange in this forum and not be afraid that we're gonna pay for it. At least yes. I hope you know, that we can be honest about what we, um, that the question is who's listening and who's impacted by it? Because like you said, I've got a film where I'm challenging the the white gatekeeper and many of those people are telling me how much they love the movie. I'm like, but you shouldn't because I'm coming for you. You know what I mean? It's just this, it's just this weird thing of like, who are we preaching to the choir? Is somebody? I, I yes, don't. There is 
yes, there is maybe some healing that's happening for, for Black people watching the film, Black creatives who, who not heard, not felt heard or are dealing with grief, that's fine. But for the white gatekeeper whose intention is to be inclusive and diverse, but they end up kind of um, contributing to a disparity around authentic Black stories. Like, are you really listening? Are you really listening? You know, I I think I think for a lot, I think I I hope that there are a few going. Wait a minute, have I have I been that? Have I done that? Mm-hmm. And are really doing like some internal work? But I think for a lot of people, there is this pushback because it's like, you know, racist ra- being being called a racist is almost as for for a lot of people is almost as worse as being a racist, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like you know what I mean. So it's like racist is this four letter word, like no, but then they will assume that we're trying to rob them. Do you know what I mean? Like so it's like those kind of things. It's like uh, why are we? I'm not racist, but I'm gonna cross to the other side of the street. Exactly, because can... exactly that. Right, because like the, you say the word racist to certain people, and they they go h. It's like what's, yeah. You know, but then they'll describe a scenario and it's like, that's clean racism. Like that's, yeah. how do you not? And so I think there's a lot of people that don't want to, so they want to be the ones that said, no, no, no. You know, I sent money to Sudan. You know what I mean? Like I'm not racist. Right. And it's like, fam, that don't, that the fact that you've even said, you know what I mean? So it's yeah. like, so I think there's a lot of work to be done. And I think it only starts when people start to, do the work internally yes and there are some people that are going to do it and we need to accept that there are some that aren't I think our jobs now as um black creatives um is a friend of mine um Abby Ajay she's this brilliant writer and she's always reminding me you know racism because it's it kind of comes from Toni Morrison the late great Toni Morrison Mm -hmm. racism is a distraction it's not Mm -hmm. our problem it's theirs they're trying to make it ours Right. Do you see what I'm saying? Because I, I absolutely I reading this bullshit, and I'm like, I could have, I could have been writing. Right, and it, I mean, it goes I mean? back to when this, this, the whole thing with George Floyd and all those killings, blah blah, blah and the amount of people, white people, who reached out to me. Yeah, did you, you get know. the pings? Is what my phone was. Yeah, up. girl. Like I, 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 I think I'm gonna print them is. out. I think I'm gonna print them out and do like some wallpaper, <laughs> um, and it's gonna be called White Guilt. But um, you know, it's like. I could tell whether or not I was the only black person in this person's life because of the level of questioning. And the first thing was like, is there anything I can do? Can I help you? Is yes, help with something? I'm like, well, my mortgage is due. You want to pay that? <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I do think it's interesting that, um, you know, we're in this place right now because of this pandemic where we're, you know, all of us are having to look at like, what's happening in this country and how we're either contributing or not contributing. I agree. I feel like I've done my work. <laughs> I feel like I've done my work. Can I just I'm tired. make art now, please? I just want to make art, you know? I'm t- and, and speaking of, I'm going to like segue back. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I wanted to know a bit more. Actually, well, I, I really wanted to know about your casting um, methods and stuff because yeah. I, I love the cast of this film. I, I love young mm-hmm. actors. I'm always looking for the new sort of like brand or whatever. Okay. Um, there's two things I want to talk about. I love, I absolutely loved, um, and I want to, because I looked him up and I saw that there wasn't many credits. Um, I, I believe his name is Os, Oswin Benjamin. 
There aren't Please any tell credits. Me where you found him because I there aren't any credits. Cool. He's never acted before, and I, he I, brilliant. His eyes. He's a raw. Yeah, he's he's a raw talent. He's a rapper. He's been rapping for. He'd been rapping long enough to get above thirty thousand followers when I found him. And oh and what happened was, you know, I'm not a trained actor, and so I wanted to find someone who I would be equally yoked with as like a raw talent. And mm -hmm. I had another rapper in mind. He wasn't available. And I had the opportunity, Jessica Daniels is my casting person. She's also from New York. So she had that very deep investment in finding authentic voices. I had the opportunity to, you know, look at a plethora of black actors, but sometimes when it comes to this kind of character, I find um, there are only a few black actors who haven't had the that edge trained out of them, you yeah. know, like think of yeah. Jamie, Jamie Lincoln Smith. And there's a couple of people who just like, they just have it and they won't lose it. But um, I wanted to find someone who had that edge. And so that's why I was like, let me, let me stay in this hip hop realm. And I'm not lying to you. I went on Google um, late one night and just typed in New York rappers and a number of, <laughs> because I'm a fan of the culture and I'm a participant in the culture, there were a couple of people who popped up who I already knew. But then there was this young man who I'd never heard of before. And I then went down another rabbit hole, kind of stalking him. And I just kind of immediately knew. And so I told Jessica, I want to bring this guy in. And when he walked in, we both looked at each other like, I feel like I know you. And he, and he felt the same way. The first time he ever said any dialogue was him reading the sides for my movie. And Jessica and I, you know, we had other people in mind the minute he started speaking, we knew. So now we had to become actors and just play it cool. You know, so when he was done, oh, yeah. we were like, good job. That was awesome. Yeah. Maybe try it like this. Like, okay, great. Well, thanks for coming in. And the minute he left, we were both like, you know, like, so Oswin never acted before. And I feel so privileged to have met him as a new raw talent. I'm praying that whatever he does next, it is something that feel, that is like challenging. You know what's interesting? There's all there's there's been some buzz about the film around awards and stuff. I hope he gets his due, even just a nomination, because what it reminds me of is when Gabourey Sidibe was doing her promo mm. rounds, and people thought she was precious. And then she went on Jimmy Kimmel, and she's like gushing about how much she loves Justin Timberlake, and yeah. oh my god, and like this girl <laughs> from Harlem kind of sounds like a Valley girl, and people were like oh shit, she, she really is an actor. Oswin is an actor, Even with, with training or not. He and I created that character together. He's not the silent type. He's actually more of a goofball. He's very funny. Oh, incredible. And very whimsical and like a light. He's not D. And so I hope people see, you know, the work he did as an actor um, in that role. Same thing with um, Peter Kim, who plays my best friend. You know, it's like, it was a, it was a, a mishmash of ways like so a lot of the young people who played my students that was jessica daniels aside from imani wilson who plays elaine my little nemesis i love her. I, I saw love her. isn't she amazing also not trained she's a rapper so first. i wanted to ask more because i i thought um peter kim archie was your brethren in real life he is he is but he we became close making the film together i met him he was my dialect coach 
for a solo play that I did years ago, Archie as a character was initially written as a young white gay man, a skinny one. Like I wanted him to physically be the opposite of everything that I was. Right. And um, because I thought that the tension would be about a generational tension. Mm -hmm. I'm young, I, he's young, I'm older. He's telling me what I should be doing. And I'm like, you're young, you don't know. When Peter and I became acquainted from working on this project years ago, there was this moment where he was completely honest with me about something. He was acting more as a dramaturg. And I was just like, why isn't this guy playing my best friend? The gift that he gave me in coming on board, because we worked on the, on the movie at Sundance in 2017, is that now you have two friends coming from the same background, but they're in different places and they're definitely in different economic strata. Yeah. So tension is about something else that we both were those teenagers back in the day, like thinking we would run the world and he's in a $5,000 a month apartment and I'm, yes. I'm <laughs> I am not at all. <laughs> so, so, but he, he, he is the professional trained theater actor. And so he helped me, you know, get to a certain level. Um, but I always say that it is, it is not simply a love, love story between Rada and Dee. Archie is an important part of that because each of those characters represent a different part of herself. Archie is her head. It, it's the practical part of herself. It's the theater world. It is, you know, access, you know, to, you know, this uh, wealthier world. And Dee represents her heart, you know, Brooklyn mm. and mm. her passion and the things that she wants to do, but maybe is afraid to do. And it's a love story between her and these two parts of herself, really, each of them representing that. So I never want to leave Peter out of the equation. Like, I always feel like when we show up somewhere, it should be the three of us because it's it's really about me, you know, my character and, and the war, her, her, tug of war between her head and her heart you know? but that's what I loved about the movie because like like a lot of the times when you're you know you can write these things or you can direct these things but they don't always come across as that but I found that you it came across visually like you chose the visual medium to tell it like mm -hmm. and I, I loved the argument that um, Rada and, and Archie have that very real honest very honest argument about and what I think what I like liked about it is that it wasn't vicious there were these were things that were percolating do you know what I mean yes, but they love yes. each other so much that you wouldn't dream of saying these things but right. here is a like a tension a, a moment where you feel like you can erupt and say say these yeah. things and I, I absolutely loved that scene and I loved that it showed that friends can have these moments and it's like a lover's bar almost yeah, it's, it's like a lover's back. quarrel. Like it doesn't happen between her and her lover. It happens between her and her best friend. Right. You know, because I feel like, especially as a single black woman in the world today, like mm. I get my intimacy and my love, especially with my parents being gone, I get that from several relationships. Mm. Sean Peters is one of my best friends. <laughs> Elisa Blount Moorhead, Denise Trotman, like all of these people kind of create like um, a, a, a permanent fixture of a partner for me. Um, mm -hmm. And I feel sorry for the next person to come into my life on an intimate level because they have to, you're gonna have to accommodate these other people. And that's yeah. how I feel about Archie and, 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 and Dee because I, you know, I feel like 
just in terms of the Rada and D story, I feel like we've been kind of sold this dream around what partnership and romance should look like. Mm. And so, you know, I love that when she's complaining about drinking a diet, you know, or, or having to lose weight and he goes, ain't nothing wrong with you. Like that's his version of saying, I love you. You're beautiful. Yeah, you, exactly. You're attractive yeah. to me. That's all that matters. I feel like, you know, ro romance and the romantic comedy has us thinking that it's between a man and a woman and that's mm -hmm. it. Whereas mm -hmm. her love, her love light is ignited by both of these people. And so, you know, that's how it is in my life. And I just want to, I just want to tell something that feels authentic to me. I really, I'm kind of shocked at how many people are saying, oh, that's me, or I can relate that's, when that's how, yeah. I, I wasn't it, thinking that. Also, you know what I loved? Like it it was aspirational. Mm. And I know that might be odd, say feel odd because it's about it's like you're coming into this woman who feels like she's down and out, and then she finds, but she finds herself, she finds her voice. And then mm. she uses that voice. She's not afraid of that voice, you know? And then yeah. there are, there's, you know, there are obstacles as with all good um, stories, there are obstacles, yeah. but, but she finds that voice, but not in that sort of like cheesy way. It's not wrapped up in a bow. Like at the end of the day, what she, when she drops the mic on the stage, that might be the end of that play. That might be the end of, it's not like, oh, now she's rich and fat. I mean, she might have been yeah. in her career here. Like, but, but the point is, She's free. I think people wanted for this to be a version of Eight Mile. And okay. I always tell them, I say, it's two miles. She ain't going that far. <laughs> and, and, it, it, and, and for her, it's not about hip hop stardom. In my movie, I think hip hop is more of a meditation and it shows up in whatever way she needs it, whether it's the women battling in the Bronx or mm. a cypher, a freestyle cypher in the basement or trap music you know, in a car radio going by, she's not trying to be a hip hop star. I think she's using hip hop to find another version of herself or, or exactly. to tap into herself. So I know people are like, why isn't there more performance and why isn't it? Cause it's not about that. And it's not no. like that in our real waking lives, like no. breaking into song and, you know, like she's rhyming in the mirror, she's rhyming, you know, to her notepad, you know, like when she has what I would call the Icarus moment where she's on stage going, yo, 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 yo. I am trying to say something about we revere performance when there's an audience and there's a spotlight, but this same person showed her prowess in a dark basement where the mm. only other people there were, were um, MCs. So mm. it's like, does art not exist if it's not on a stage? If it's like, not, it, it, I think we live in a place where we live in an era now where it's picked so it didn't happen. And we have to be mm -hmm. very careful about that. Because that's so true. We have that's to be so very, true. very careful. That's why everyone's documenting their real lives. I don't need to know we that you went to the dentist. Like, relax. It's like, <laughs> you know what's so funny to me, Destiny? When you're at a concert, right? And you are filming the concert. Filming. You're not really seeing the concert. You're seeing this small framing of this image and you're not experiencing it you're taping it and so i mean as a person who's like trying to you know i'm in my 40s now and i'm not saying that social media is not for people my age but i'm trying to understand the relevance of it you know because i'm so busy taking pictures of things but not experiencing them am i right. having the experience you know and so it's just a very interesting 
um, especially as two people who create work of works of fiction for people to observe, you know, like if, if that's where we can get that experience, then maybe we should stop trying to, you know, archive everything and have you, more of the experience. You, you, know? you don't, you, you don't, I, I find once I was at, I was many years ago, I was at a Kings of Leon concert, right? I was so excited. Mm. And I was um, at the O2 and I did what everyone else was doing. So I put up my phone and I realized that I couldn't feel the music the same way. Cause I'm trying to, and obviously cause we're fucking nerds, right? I'm trying to get the frame right. Like I'm right, like, with the, the lighting and everything, you know I mean? right, like, exactly. Like I'm trying to, and I just, in that moment, it was like the first 10 minutes of the shot, I was like, what, why? Like, I'm not, I'm gonna remember this. And I put my phone away and mm. there were moments of that concert that I can, I will never forget because right. I, I looked at it. Like I watched them right there. And that was from that moment, I just thought, I'm not, I'm not really about this taking out my phone every five seconds. I'm not judging anyone, but I feel like we need to be experiencing things and we need to feel, I, I feel like people need to remember what it feels like to feel right. instead of trying to figure out when they're going to put it on the ground. I forget it. Like, just relax. Right. Um, there's so many questions I could ask, <laughs> but I'm getting the thing now. So like, yeah, there's, Oh, there's one that, okay, I will ask it, but I'm yeah. going to throw it out to the audiences listening, because I can't see you. If you have any <laughs> questions, please ask now. So, um, Kudzi Sinos asks, um, as an actor writer myself, I have found it hard to gain representation. What was your path to being signed by an agent and did your short films help? It's a good question. Mm -hmm. Is that for you? That's for you, I believe. Oh, um, I don't have many short films. Um, that's why I thought they were talking to you because I know oh, you have Oh, like, why would they ask work. me questions? No, questions are for Ryder. Oh, well, ask them of Destiny too because this is, a, again, an exchange. I mean, for me, um, I know that the minute I stopped focusing on getting representation is when I started having options. But it is, it's... It's going to evolve. I feel like um, I've had different reps um, at different stages of my career. And now I'm finding I am spending more time talking to my manager because mm -hmm. that person is helping me to craft a career. I think agents and lawyers are great in that they help you to um, 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 get clear around your contracts and what your obligations are within a contract. But at the end of the day, it's almost like your work creates the work. And so yes. I think that as, as content creators, we shouldn't worry about agents right now. We should be worrying about, we should be concentrating on developing our voice. Like right. I always go to the model of Issa Rae and mm -hmm. there's a reason she's on HBO. Mm -hmm. She's on HBO because she invested the time and created some, creating something on her own time, on her own dime with her friends that caused them to take notice because she had cultivated such an audience. So agents are great. And, you know, some people have them, some people don't. Um, it really has very to little, has very little to do with your own voice. So I, I feel like you should be focusing on that. I think so too. I think, and if you are, I think making your short films and stuff, that is, that's, that's how we develop our voices, be it taking photos or making short films or whatever it is. 
do that before because then the agents will come exactly they'll follow the work you can't go and knock on the door of an agent they won't they don't like that they don't um, respond to that they don't respond so like do, do the work man and do the work because you love the work not because you're trying to get representation because it's just not you'll find that even with representation it's you you're in the driving seat of your own career that's right you are the captain of the ship everybody else is like your your you know your first mate your deck hands all of them kind of things there whatever <laughs> the other <laughs> the other names for ships are <laughs> um, but yeah, do do I think do, do the work, find your find your voice. Okay, um, this is from B Manzini. I hope I said that right. Um, they say hi, Rada, and hi, Disney in brackets. Hello, B. Um, B here from Caramel Film Club. Loved screening this movie. Can I ask about the challenges and the benefits of occupying multiple roles, writer, director, actor? Would you do it again? Very good question. Um, answering the second question first, no, I would not. That's okay. it. <laughs> I don't have enough money for therapy. I don't physically, it drained the fuck out of me. And no, I will not. I might play like a small role in another film, but I will never do this again. Because One, I don't feel like I need to. I did it specifically to send up my own life as an artist so that that would be, one, I wanted also an excuse to celebrate my parents, you know, to kind of, you know, there's a scene at the end when I go to my mother's apartment, that's my father's jazz music playing, that's my mother's art music on the wall, and that is my real older annoying brother i wonder if that was your real yeah brother. yeah that's my real brother thing. robbie blank and we're all in one scene together so it becomes an archive of our of our family as artists but no i don't plan on doing it again and it was very challenging creating space between them but i kind of just knocked things down like the screenwriting was done so i told the screenwriter have a fucking seat no 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 <laughs> nope Shh. we've heard from you miss please go over there and shut the fuck, you know? Um, and then I just, you know, I found myself at first we had a remote monitor and, and because you're shooting at least the first couple of days of shooting, you're shooting in black and white film that doesn't get processed for another four days. So I don't really know what the aesthetic looks like. I just know I'm setting up a shot and, um, you know, getting out the performances and stuff like that. And so I had this remote monitor, but I found myself, that when I paid attention to that, I was not in the scene the way I needed to be. So mm. I would use it early on to establish and then I would let that go so I could be present for- That sounds fucking hard. That sounds- It was not easy at all. It was not easy and it, and someone, I saw someone asking them what was the hardest scene to shoot. One of the hardest scenes to shoot was um, FYOV, FYOV you know, find your own voice, shoot your own, blah, blah, blah. First of all, we had no audience. They had all oh. gone because we were running over time. That rhyme, I was physically exhausted. And so I was forgetting what I had planned. So a lot of it is off the cuff, is off the top, but it was the hardest one to shoot because I felt the most pressured, you know, mm. like we shot them, we shot scenes and then we were finally getting down to the scene um, that little outfit that I'm wearing in the end was another one of those beautiful mistakes where um, Sarah Williams and I had had an idea for an outfit, but we were two days before shooting and it just didn't fit right. And I didn't want to take the chance on trying to get it, blah, 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 even though it was tailored. I saw that skirt 
hanging off of one of the racks in the scene where Archie is running through the bowels of the theater looking for me and he peeks in on the actresses. It is sitting in that scene. Oh, that wow. skirt is in that scene. So I said, give me the skirt. I said, give me the skirt. And I said, somebody, Sarah, get me a tuxedo jacket. Let's try to tailor it to me. And my inspiration at that point was Julie Andrews and Victor Victoria and wow. Joe Cabaret. I was like, I'm going to do something that is wow. in in the middle of the genders you know it's all mask up here feminine down there and it, it was one of those beautiful mistakes you know but that sequence was the hardest to shoot because I mentally was just like drained no. Somebody had delivered the worst news possible to me right before that and so I've answered two questions in one anyway no but that's good and also it just added to the performance because it was brilliant um Thank you. Uh, Oh, which one should I answer first? I'll do this one first, actually. Sunny Newby says, what is it about New York that has made it such an important backdrop and character in films like this for so many years? And what did you want to show about the city? That's a great question. So great um, question. I, think, I think New York is a destination for many people. And so like, even if it's been glorified and romanticized, like a New York story can kind of help either um, amplify the romance of this iconic city or dispel and kind of diminish and make it something real. Um, for me, I grew up in New York and I've seen it as a, as a result of what I would call it being gentrified. I've mm. seen it change. You know, they say in 20 years, the New York um, accent will be obsolete because all of the people who created it, poor folks, immigrant folks, Caribbean folks, a lot of those people can't afford to live in New York anymore. So the oh, culture no. as well as the way we talk is shifting. And so for me, you know, sometimes the movie is a love letter to the city. Other times it's a Dear John letter because- <laughs> Because me and New York, we've had a storied romance. Like there are times when he's very good to me, and there are other times when he's flirting with these this damn gentry over here and not paying me any attention. You know, so for to me, the reason this had to be my first film is because I don't know how much longer the city would be what it what it is now. You know, I know a lot of people who watched the movie who are from LA, who moved to Europe, expats, whatever, and they're like, oh my God, it's making me miss New York. No. It's not because the New York of the film is not exactly what New York is now, especially with COVID. You know, it's like, yeah. it's, it's, it's a lot crazy. of rats, high rents and a pandemic. So I don't know <laughs> really a whole lot, you know? <laughs> it's so funny. Like I grew up in New Cross and Deptford, right? Which is, especially Deptford, there's the Deptford High Street is like known as like Little Lagos of so many Nigerians and, oh, you know, wow. And on, on, like in Deptford, I was going to the train station, there was this chalkboard. So first of all, what was the chalkboard doing there, right? And it said like, oh, this Saturday, like a cheese market. I was like, the fuck, where am I? A cheese market, not jollof, not patties, not- that's when I knew Deptford was gone. It's gone, it's, it's gone. It was happening yeah. incrementally, but now that was the end. Um, I'm afraid I think I've got one more question. Um, okay. Burton Cromer says, loved with like four O's. So love. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are you working on now and when can we see it? 
Good question. Um, what to land on? Finish up. What I'm actually literally working on in this moment is still promoting the film. And I don't know if, you know, a lot of first-time filmmakers realize, I know I didn't, how much work it takes to bring a film to its audience. So I've been working tirelessly with Netflix and the folks at Synetic in like making sure, you know, I found out like, one, people in UK are feeling this shit. People in Brazil are feeling this shit. And so I want to make sure that even if that wasn't initially the plan to, to do more than just a couple of engagements, that we do whatever it is, you know, so that people, you know, can connect with the film. Um, I'm writing some stuff. Um, I had a wonderful conversation with Mary um, Haran, who created American Psycho. She's become like a big sister to me. And the one thing she said to me was like, the second film, girl, the second mm -hmm. film. And I realized for me, that's what's gonna make me a filmmaker because yeah. I think because I'm playing a version of myself, I'm shooting in my apartment, my New York apartment. I'm, you, you know, a lot of my friends are in the film. People don't, they, re, they may not see me as a director. They may think I was just like, Turn the camera on. I'm filming my life. You know, like I don't know. I, I don't think so because there's a lot of skill in the movie. Like even the I appreciate movie, the moment that. when she's like rapping to the mirror and the the close up of her face, and then she turns yeah. to the camera. There's filmmaking there, so I, I don't. I think appreciate people, that. I, I appreciate that, but I, but I feel like it it is a send up of my life. I see and what you mean. Second yeah. film that has nothing to do with me, but just mm -hmm. a story that's come from here, I think is really going to cement me as a director. And so she was just like, it's the second film. And so I'm just taking my time actually mm -hmm. deciding what that would be, but also living in a space of, of, of gratitude that there may be an opportunity to make another film because, right. you know, 20 years ago, Destiny, like, I feel like a black film, filmmaker would make a film and then you never hear from them disappear. It's so it hard. Just I think vanish. it's just gone. You know? And it's like, you make the movie, you do it. And then people still doubt that you can do it. It's, Listen, I, the thing that has kind of blows me away. And I don't know if you've had this experience moving into work after your first film is that mm -hmm. people will say, I love you. I love your voice. Your film is amazing. We want to make something with you. And then you look at the contract. And it's like approval of your cast, approval of yep. your producer, yeah. approval of your script. And I'm like, none of those caveats were part of my experience in making this film. And yet you expect me to be able to make something as dynamic as that with you telling me what I need to be doing. It's so weird. It's so odd, isn't it? Where it's, it's odd. Like, I've told you, I've showed you what I can do. Yeah. And now you need to have a hand in it. Then it's not me anymore. You know, it's, and it's like it's I understand like people navigate, you know, that kind of that makes sense It's the producers, it's the money, it's their money, you know, but it's like we want your voice, but not. But not your voice. But So it's like, well, what, why? Get someone yeah. else. There's someone right. else that will do this for you. Like the exactly. way you want to do no it with no problem. And actually, I don't, I don't have any judgment of that person who wants no, to do that. No. After working in TV for a number of years, I would meet a lot of TV writers who were very content with being part of a super brain. They Absolutely. were like, I have I, my vision. I like working on behalf, on the, on the, on behalf of someone else's vision on behalf of, that's not me. 
Mm. Now that I've made this film, I felt like I came out. I was like, this is who I am. <laughs> and yet I'm still getting offers for dry ass historical <laughs> drama and, you know, street tales or everyone thinks I want to do hip hop movies for the rest of my life. It's just so interesting how, you know, I'm sure it has everything to do with being a black woman yeah. that we're having over and over again, tell people who I, who you are what it is you want to say. And I'm okay, I'm up for that challenge. I just was surprised by it. You know? It's really there. I think the best way to do it, I, I, well, not the best, there's, everybody's got different ways, but I think the, uh, the way that I w did it was to try to be more, more discerning on the projects that I wanted to do, even if it was the TV projects. Cause right. I, I did gone too far and then I did um, a TV feature. And then after that, I was like, I, I, you know, I need to feed myself. So I'll do some TV and see what that's like. And also I wanted to learn a bit more because TV yeah. schedules are bonkers. So I wanted to know Crazy. how do I shoot, shoot fast, but shoot well? Like what, are what you trying to go back to independent film? Absolutely, film? man. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I think yeah. once I got the hang of television and what that was, and then what I'm working on stuff that some of this, because I loved working on end of, the fucking world because I loved those scripts. I loved them. I was like, yeah. this is a, this It felt like cinema. Yeah. It feels like exactly. And and mm -hmm. get getting to work with um th that cast was extraordinary. Um please please cast Naomi Aki in something. She is incredible. <laughs> um, she's just I just wanted to work all the time. I loved yeah. Jesse, Jess, Jessica Barden, I loved Alex, I loved them. Um, they're the incredible um, actors, and um, I, I just found that those that story that that Charlie wrote was brilliant. But I was also being very ca like careful about what I wanted to do, so that I'm not getting pigeonholed. The three TV things that I did are all very different, um, yes. and I wanted to learn on all three of them, and I did that for a real reason. But now I'm like, I just want to go. I want to still do some really cool television because if it's really cool then why the fuck not but I, right. at the same time be developing my films and, right. and see what that next one is and I, I wouldn't be too um I think I because I at first I was I don't know if you're doing that thing but at first I was like my second film has to be about this or it has to be this because I need to show people that I'm not and now I don't it's like what's the dope story like what's the one that's coming to me first and I think right be, I, I from speaking I'm speaking it's almost like I'm speaking to myself because I was like don't be afraid to do this as your next movie don't overthink it too much that that's literally what I told myself so I could enjoy because the next thing I film I want to do is like a revenge flick but it's complete catharsis for me like right okay. I was um working with or something else she said I've just got this idea for something I was like what is it has this revenge flick this woman in her in her 40s that's what got yes. it and I was like well she's gonna be black that's clear and so <laughs> I was just like I said give that to me that goes to nowhere the one and, and now that's really that's in development in a real way oh, um awesome. and I just thought a revenge flick okay no fuck it yeah I'll do that Nick. yeah that's what I'll do so I think that's um it, it it's building I people say building a brand but but don't look at the make make your brand your brand is that it's so everything is different. It's like Ang Lee. I like Ang Lee because no film is, is a crouching tiger and then Hulk. You know what I mean? It's like, don't right. So I'm just right. like, yeah, I'll, if he can. And then. I I hope that we get to do, you know, as Black women creators that we 
you know, because I also feel like because there's an expectation or anticipation from our own communities around our work mm. that they're not always forgiving of our choices. Like, you know, I'm not interested in doing a Marvel film. That's just not my thing. But if I wanted to, I should be able to explore it as a storyteller because so many people get to do that. They get to, you know, make their small obscure films here and then go off and do these big budget pieces. And so I was happy that Nia DaCosta got you know, that Marvel film. I was happy that Stella McGee is doing the Whitney Houston movie. Um, I love Stella, by the way. Got a mutual friend there. Yeah, I think she's there right now. Oh, man, I should be telling her business, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> that Liesl Tommy gets to do the Aretha Franklin film. And then if someone wants to do something smaller with a smaller budget um, and, and not necessarily a, um, a, 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 a Hollywood cast, that they should mm -hmm. be able to do it because there, there should be the ability to, to still have this thing that feels like art to us and, and, and then do some films that may not feel like art, but are just a damn good time. You know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. I'm so sorry, guys. And I'm like, <laughs> I, we have to wrap up. Like, we're, we're getting signals, wrap up. But, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. For hours and hours. Oh my God, Destiny, you're like, we have to continue the conversation. And, you know, when the world opens up again, like, I'll be there, you'll be here, whatever. I'll we have to get together sure. and have a drink or something because you're amazing. I love you're it. amazing. Like, I love you and I love your work. I love you too. <laughs> this is just like, this it. is like the highlight, one of my highlights of 2020, man. Thank you so much. Um, I'd like to thank everybody for joining us. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope we got to answer your questions. Um, go and watch 40 year old version again because it should be studied, I believe. Um, um, so no, kind. it should be. People need to, there's things in there that people need to really look at. Um, so, um, yeah, thank you so much. And Rada. Thank you, Destiny. Thank you, Netflix. Thank you, BAFTA, BAFTA yes. for having us. And um, more to come, more to come. More to let's, come. Let's, we got more stories to tell. So, exactly that. Exactly that. Take care. You too. Be safe. Be bye bye. Safe.